As we get started this morning, um, I, I got to tell a tale on myself. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I uh, went to Daytona Beach. Uh, I guess it was spring, spring break. And uh, one day we were doing some shopping, and we came out of a store, and there was a, there was a guy there at the back of a white van. And so, so I don't know if you, anybody bought anything out of the back of a white van before in their life. <laughs> Am I just by myself here today? Okay, like I knew this wasn't legit, all right? I wasn't fooled, I wasn't conned. Um, I didn't really think, it, was, it wasn't anything stolen, I don't think. Uh, I don't know what all he had. Uh, I don't think it was real. And um, maybe he had Rolexes there, I don't think so. But I, bought, I know this is what I know. I bought some cologne from him. Uh, I think the, the, it might have been um, eternity, eternity for Men, Calvin Klein. But anyways, uh, I don't know what it was. I'm, I was confident that's not what was in the bottle, but I bought it anyways. And, um, and, and we, went our, we went our way. I, I used it for, I don't know how long I used it. Maybe you've, you've been in a similar situation. Maybe you're smarter than me and just kept, kept walking, right? This is, this is if, if a parenting moment, if you've got kids, this is where you go, kids, come on, let's go this way, right? Um, but I'm told, though, that when it comes to some fake items, like you can buy a, a, a fake Rolex that they say, like even the experts have a hard time telling if it's real or not until they open it up and look at, what, look at what's inside. And then they can see uh, this one's a fake. But I actually did a, a Google search uh, this week for fake Rolexes. And I'm not kidding you. The, the number of websites that came up saying, buy your fake Rolex here, $1,500, unashamedly selling their, their, uh, their fake watches. So the question that I, that I wonder is, why did I purchase that little bottle of cologne, knowing that it was fake. Well, I mean, it was cheap, right? <laughs> so I got, a, I got a good price on it. But ultimately, I took the cap off, I smelt it, and I thought, yeah, that's close enough, right? Put the lid on it and said, you know, here's your, I don't know even what I bought it for, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever. But it was close enough to the real thing that I just settled for it. When it comes to truth, boy, we better be careful. We talked last week that, that, the, that real truth comes from God's word. Our experiences you know, might have an element of truth to them, but if we really wanna know what's true, we've gotta look at God's word. <clears throat> we can't just settle for good enough when it comes to truth. We must stand on the word of God no matter where it takes us. So the idea of marketing a false product, though, is not something new to, I don't even know what year that would have been, 1995, Daytona Beach. Peter here takes a whole chapter to warn us about false teachers. Guys that look pretty good, they sound pretty good, but ultimately, they are not dealing the truth. And so we're gonna take a look at this this morning. It's not an easy chapter to read. Um, a, a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a, a month or so ago, I was talking to John Weibel, and he was telling me, man, I've never heard, listened to somebody preach through the book of First Peter. So we did First Peter, and that's a hard book, t talking about um, the suffering that we endure as Christians. And now we get into Second Peter, and this is a tough chapter to read. 
And maybe that's why it's not preached on too much, but it's here, so God wants us to know it and wants us to understand it. We're gonna look at it this morning. So let's pray together and then we're gonna, we're gonna read it. Heavenly Father, uh, we have confidence that your word is true. Uh, but Lord, we're, we're just aware of so many false, uh, false truths. It's not a truth, just things that are, are lies, things that are untrue, things that aren't right that are being uh, spread in our world today. And Lord, help us to look into your word this morning. Help us to discern uh, what is true. Help us to live a life that protects us from falling for what is not true. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's read the first three verses. Uh, Peter says, was talking about um, how they received the word of God and how um, experience was good, but he talks about uh, the prophets who came not because of the will of man, not because of a man's own interpretation, uh, but that the word of God came through the spirit of God. And Peter says to them, but false prophets also arose among the people. So even as we were receiving God's word from true prophets, Peter says there were false prophets, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. These are some strong words. So who are these guys? Who are, who are these false teachers? <clears throat> Before we get that, I, w- I just wanna address something here together this morning because we were gonna work through this chapter we're gonna see some language that raises this question, and so I don't wanna just leave this question as the elephant in the room. I want you to know where I'm coming from this morning. Um, but as we read this chapter, we're gonna be, we're gonna come across this question, is a Christian's salvation sure? Once a believer is saved, are they always saved? Uh, another way to put it, can a person genuinely become a follower of Christ only to fall away and lose their salvation. There's some language here that will cause somebody to ask those questions. So let me just tell you where I'm coming from this morning that will help as I work through here. Um, I'm gonna say it the way Bob Ayer said it to me one time. If saved, always saved. So if someone who's truly acknowledged they're a sinner, they recognize that they're guilty before a holy God, they say, uh, God, I, I need Jesus, I need a savior, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he took my place, he paid for my sins, and then Jesus defeated death by rising from the grave, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, then they're saved. And so my understanding of this is that Jesus is the one who saved them. The best they could do before they knew Jesus was not good enough to save them. And the best they can do after they came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is not good enough to keep them saved. Their faith and trust is in what Jesus did for them on the cross, did for you on the cross, did for me on the cross. So scripture teaches that Jesus paid for our sins. It teaches that Jesus sealed us for the day of redemption. It teaches that we've been adopted into the family of God. Uh, It teaches that we've been given an inheritance, this is coming from 1 Peter, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. 
Our salvation is by the grace of God and also by the work of what God did and what Jesus did. So I believe that there's good scripture, and, and what I'm saying here is come from the scriptures, come from Bible verses, that would support this idea that if a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ will keep them until the day of salvation and bring them home. Now, <clears throat> that being said, I know believers, uh, I love believers, I have served with believers that would disagree with me on that point. They would, they would say, well, it's questionable if someone's not living a life um, in obedience as a follower of Christ, they could fall away. Let me just say this. this. As we read through this passage, as you read through other passages in the New Testament, there are strong warnings against sin because living a sinful life is possible as we follow Christ. Uh, doing what is wrong, we're not guaranteed when we become a Christian that we're gonna get everything right. How we live reveals our heart condition. And I would say this this morning, we should have great concern for someone who says they are a Christian, but lives a life totally contrary to the word of God. We're called to be conformed to the image of Christ. And I would say we wouldn't need so much teaching and strong wording about sin uh, and about corruption if it weren't a real thing. Temptation is real, sin is real, and we can get trapped in both of them from time to time. So anyways, that, that's where I'm coming from this morning. And I know as I say that, there are some even in here this morning that would disagree with me. I think we can still worship together. I think we would still have the same admonition to someone who was living a life of sin. Boy, you're, on, you're, not, on, you're not on solid ground there. You, you had better turn back to the, your first love towards Jesus. Um, but that's where I'm coming from as we go through this passage. So uh, that, that will help you understand where I'm coming from. So listen, Peter tells us that false prophets arose among the people and that false teachers will come uh, among you, will come among us. This warning is for us today. And verse two says that many will follow them. They'll be convincing. People will say, okay, I, I like what this guy's saying, I like what, what, what she's saying, and they will follow them. And so Peter has a strong word of uh, of warning here uh, for those who would uh, deny the truth of scripture um, as, as, as sort of deceivingly and tricky way that they will work their way in. And so three, quickly here, three traits of false teachers are, are shown here in, the, in these first few verses. One is they tell lies. Uh, verse one says, uh, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master. They'll, so, they'll go so far to deny that Jesus was God's son, or they'll deny other truths about Jesus, who he was, maybe even that he even existed, and they will tell lies. False teachers will follow their sensuality. Uh, sensuality is defined as a lack of self-restraint, or abandonment to immoral behavior. Usually here in the New Testament when we read about sensuality, it's talking about sexual sin. And so uh, it says a characteristic here of a false teacher is that they will follow their sensuality and, and later on as we're reading through, it, they lead others to follow them in that sin. The third thing that we see here right away about a false teacher is that they're greedy. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words, right? 
give an offering this morning and, and I will promise you, you know, fill in the blank. They're exploiting people for self-gain. They're trying to line their pockets. They're telling you, if you do this, uh, give me money, take me out to dinner. If you uh, buy me a car, then God will do this for you. And they are false teachers when they do this. Now we might get uh, a little bit too comfortable with, with judging these and we think, oh, we're not, we don't have that in our church. We don't have that in our community. Yeah, we can watch, we, I've seen those guys on TV. I would never get caught up with that. The, these issues, these three issues, lies, sensuality, and greed are addressed to all of us. You could just go to the 10 commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear false witness. These are uh, commands for all of us to avoid these, um, these sins. So a false teacher might be found to commit these sins, but let's be honest, we can all find ourselves committing these sins, and we must guard against those things. So, you know, these, these false teachers, especially some of these ones you watch on TV, perhaps, or, or you, you're, maybe they come through town, maybe you've been to a service and you think, man, these guys, are, these guys are making out okay. Maybe they've got the Rolex on and it's not fake, you know? Um, verse three, look at this. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They're gonna lie to you. But look at the end of this. Their condemnation from long ago is not, uh, is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Their condemnation and their destruction is a sure thing. God's not gonna let them uh, get away with what they've done. Um, let's, let's, keep, let's keep looking. Um, well, before we, before we keep reading, we're gonna jump into verse four. We gotta be aware Jesus said this was gonna happen too. Peter says, Watch out, false teachers are coming. But Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. He, he told his disciples, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They look the part, they talk the part, they say the prayers, they know the, the Bible verses, but on the inside, they're ravenous wolves looking uh, like their master to seek, kill, and destroy. They're not followers of Christ. They know about God, they know about Jesus, probably even know that Jesus died on the, on the cross for them, but they've not accepted it. And I think it's gonna be clear as we, as we look at this. So here in verse four, we're gonna read another section here. We're gonna see there's four, four ifs and two thens. If these things are true, then these things will be true. So let's look at it. Verse four of 2 Peter chapter two. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, that's the first if. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And number four, if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormented. He was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So if those things are true, we're gonna go back and look at them in a minute, then 
The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, number one, and number two, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despising authority, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Okay, four ifs and two thens. If God didn't spare the angels when they sinned, when Satan, uh, Lucifer, rebelled against God, uh, many of the angels rebelled with him, they were not spared. Uh, it says here that they were cast into hell. The Greek word there is uh, Tartarus. Tartarus, I think, is the way you would say it. And really, a better definition would not actually be hell because we have a, when we read in the Bible hell, we have an idea of of uh, where those who do not accept Christ will go. This is really, this word tart Tartarus really just means into the abyss, all right? When, when, when someone goes to hell, they're not gonna be there, I don't believe, with angels. Uh, this is probably a different place, but they were not spared is the point. Uh, the second thing is if the ancient world was not preserved when Noah walked the earth, and Noah said, look, God's judgment is coming. God told me to build an ark. You can get in the ark with me. You'll be spared. They, they, they refused to believe him. They, they, lived and they lived ungodly lives. So if God um, was sure in that judgment, uh, if number three, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, their, their uh, account in Genesis, you can read of their uh, sexual sins, of their unrighteousness that was found in Sodom and Gomorrah, if their destruction was sure, and if he rescued righteous Lot, that'd be an interesting study to go back and read the account of Lot after we read these verses this morning. He rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. If God can do those things, if God did do those things, then this is what Peter wants us to know. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and how to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. God knows how to rescue the godly. Not necessarily that does that mean that we're never gonna have an issue that we have to deal with, that we don't have to worry about trials. We, we do experience trials. His promise is to be with us, to go through trials with us. He promises his peace. Um, but he, eventually we will be rescued in the sense that we have a place in heaven awaiting for us. So God will do that for us and he will keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. God's the righteous judge. He'll, he takes care of the righteous to salvation and the unrighteous to judgment. This is his promise to us this morning. He knows how to rescue the godly he knows how to punish the unrighteous. So here's a couple things that, that, that I take from that. No one is exempt from judgment. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat together. We're in the same boat of the, the ones that Noah preached to. Uh, we're in the same boat as the ones that were in Sodom of, and, and Gomorrah. We're, we're, we are all sinners, but there's also another truth here. The grace of God is always available. 
And we would look at Lot, and we, we, I wouldn't call Lot, typically, if I, if I was teaching in Genesis, and we were reading the account of Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and Abraham and Lot, and, and the, you know, you have Abraham and Lot on the mountain, and who makes the right decision, who makes the wrong decision? You know, Lot chooses poorly, Abraham chooses rightly. Uh, you go to the city, and you read through the account of, of when the angels came to announce the coming judgment, and we look at Lot's behavior, and we think, man, this guy's messed up, right? And yet, Peter says he was a righteous Lot. He, he was tormented by the lawless deeds that he saw and he heard. God's grace is available to anyone who would receive it. His judgment is sure, but his grace is available. We're going to work through this whole chapter this morning. As I read through this, I was sure that we all needed to hear it, but I also felt like, let's do this all in one week. So let's keep reading with me. These false teachers. Listen to this description. But these, the false teachers, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, which will also be destroyed in their destruction. We're not talking about believers here, we're talking about the, un, the unrighteous. These are not Christ followers. Uh, they're suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, re- reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They're sitting there. Peter's writing to Christians, and he's saying, look, you're eating with these people. You're enjoying meal together. But this is what they are internally doing. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They're preying on the weak. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. You look at, this is a false prophet in the Old Testament. He, he, he knew what God wanted and yet he wanted to line his pockets. He was a greedy man. He wanted to gain from, from telling them wrongly. Uh, but Balaam was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Okay, still speaking of the uh, false teachers. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. Imagine you go to a spring, thirsty. Maybe you're you're hiking and you've got, you know, your your map and you're like, there's a spring ahead and we need to get some water. And you get to the spring and there's, there's no water. This is a false teacher. He sounds good, he looks good, there's promise, but there's nothing there. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilement of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What a true proverb, what the true proverb says has happened to them. 
The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. That's a disturbing description, isn't it? And that's why I say you're going to read this and say, well, we don't have that issue here in this church. Peter says, there will be false teachers among you. Now, I'm not saying that to say, okay, look around and let's let's see who, I'm not saying that. I I don't think we have false teachers the way this is being described in in our congregation. But they're out there. They could be here next week. Their false teachers will be among us. We must be aware. They plot, they, the, I, I can't believe they're saying, that Peter says, they're sitting there with you while they are plotting to deceive you and to destroy you, to lead you astray. Uh, he says here in, in, verse, in verse 17, he mentions the gloom of utter darkness that has been preserved for them. Verse 19 says they are slaves of corruption. These these people are not Christ followers. So we get to verse uh, 20 and 21, and now you you might want to argue with me here a little bit. This is a pretty strong statement, right? You read this, Pastor Jeff, how are you saying that you're not going to lose your salvation after reading verses 20 and 21? Let's read it again. For if after they, speaking of the false teachers, have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse. Be worse for them that they were, had this knowledge of Jesus, but then uh, choose to live in this, in this dark, uh, corrupt, deceptful lifestyle of teaching and leading people astray. Let's look at the last verse. What the true proverb says has happened to them. So, so Peter's describing a false teacher who has a knowledge of the truth, but yet is deceiving people, is leading people astray. Peter says this proverb, what this proverb says is, has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Okay, when we read this, we gotta remember at least this one thing. We're not talking about Fido. You know, we're not talking about your little puppy who slept with you on the bed last night, Um, whether you wanted them or not, all right? We're talking about a mangy street dog. Uh, We're talking about an animal that was despised. You gotta remember that that, uh, in the culture, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And so what did the Jewish people call a Samaritan? They called him a dog. It was the worst insult that they could give. So when, when it says a dog returns to its vomit, yeah, little Fido you know, throws up and goes back to it and eats it. But Peter's here is describing um, a, a, a mutt, a, a, what they would consider to be a, a dirty, disgusting animal. And Peter says, what do dirty, disgusting animals do? They do dirty, disgusting things. They eat their own vomit. He says, what about the, what about the pig? You know, if you're a farmer and you want clean pigs, you can clean them all you want. But what are they going to do? They're going to go back in the mud and roll around. Because what does a pig do? It wallers in the mud. So it doesn't matter if you clean a pig up, get all the dirt off of him, make him look good. He's 
going to go back into the mud and get dirty again. And so um, I believe what he's saying is, is these false teachers are like, like the dog. They're like the pig. The dog is a dog. The pig is a pig. doesn't matter if you clean it up on the outside. If it's still a pig, it's going to get back into the mud and get dirty. And so um, I, I believe what Peter's saying here is that a false teacher, even though they have the appearance of doing right, they must have the appearance of doing right. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting and, eat and having a meal with them. Inside, they are not what they seem to be. And so uh, the dog is a dog and a pig is a pig. You can't change that. And even Jesus said, um, just talking about a, an animals that were despised, Jesus says, don't give dogs what is holy. Don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So you say, but Pastor Jeff, that's a pretty, pretty strong statement there. Well, the reason I would s- still hold to the idea that uh, a believer's salvation is secure is because there are, there are many passages that teach about it. When I look at this passage here in 1 Peter, the purpose of this patch, passage is to warn, primary purpose is to warn against false teachers. And in this warning against false teachers, part of that is for him to say, look, these guys are gonna look like they were Christians. They're gonna pray the right prayers. They're going to put on the right clothes on Sunday morning. They're gonna go to the Bible studies, but inside they are not my followers. They're corrupt, they are unrighteous. And so uh, the, the warning here is to, is to be aware. So I, I might put it this way. Uh, my, this is my, this is my, this is my if, if then statement. If it was Jesus' work on the cross that saves, not ours, and if when he saved us, he sealed us for the day of redemption, and if when we were saved, we were adopted into the family of God, becoming a son or a daughter, if we are co-heirs with Christ, then when I read this passage that is clearly describing unbelievers destined for judgment, then I'm gonna come to the conclusion they weren't saved. They might have cleaned themselves up, they might have looked good, they might have given the appearance that they were doing all the right things, but that they were not saved. They have knowledge of God, they know how to look good, um, but did not have a saving faith. And this would really kind of uh, align with who they're following, right? In, in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians actually, Paul writes, he was spot, talking about false apostles, similar to a false teacher, and Paul says, no wonder, 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So this, this, uh, this passage, and we've pushed through the, the, the passage somewhat quickly, I think it, he, he reiterates over and over again what a false teacher would look like. We have a warning to be aware of them. Uh, we're, we have this warning that they're not gonna come and, uh, and, and Satan doesn't come and, and whisper and say, hey, why don't you do this terrible thing and you'll go to hell, right? He comes to you and says, hey, brings the shiny apple, you know, and says, this, doesn't this look good? Why don't you try this? It won't hurt. Of course, 
the sinful behavior, the, the, the attitudes of their hearts, we would do well to read again and, and check ourselves and say, Lord, can, are these true of me sometimes? And confess where we need to confess. But how do we discern a false teacher? What's the best way to prevent the sins of a false teacher from even creeping into our own lives? I've got three things here, and, and uh, Dick, I didn't get your permission, but I'm borrowing them from you. Uh, Dick Kreider. Number one, know Jesus intimately. Get into the word. Spend time in prayer with your Lord. Learn everything that you, that you can. This hour that we spend together on a Sunday morning from 10 to 11 is wonderful, but you've got to be in the word on your own time. You should be in a uh, some sort of discipleship hour each week, whether that's Sunday school or a small group or a Bible study. Uh, you've got to be in the Word more than just our time here on Sunday morning. Know Jesus intimately and then love Jesus passionately. How do you love Jesus? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's what he's told his disciples. So as we grow in our knowledge of Jesus is, who Jesus is because we're reading his Word, then we put into practice what we read, not out of obligation, but out of love. He loved us first, and so we love him. So we, want to, we need to know Jesus intimately, we uh, want to love Jesus passionately, and then we should serve Jesus sacrificially. This, will be, this is the natural outflow. As we learn and we know who Jesus is, as our love for Jesus increases, then we will want to serve him. Not an emotional, oh man, a, a guilty, I better. But love is an action. Think about how with your, with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your friends, um, we love in action. We express our love in action. And one of the ways we express our love for our Savior is through service. Why serve? Think about this. Every single breathing person that you come into contact with is an opportunity for evangelism or discipleship. Every single person. You have an opportunity to serve every single person you come into contact with. You can't serve everybody, but there is an opportunity to either evangelize or to disciple. And this is a mindset that we should have. When we know Jesus intimately, when we love Jesus passionately, when we serve him sacrificially, we're guarding our hearts, we're better able to discern what is true, we're putting into practice a lifestyle that heightens our awareness. So when we see a, a fake, we can identify it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we uh, partake in communion together. Heavenly Father, this is, a, this is a heavy warning that you give us this morning. Lord, I pray that as a church and as we study your word and as we grow in our knowledge of you and as we grow in our love for you and we, uh, we, we work at expressing uh, our love for you through our service to you, Lord, I pray that uh, 
that we would understand uh, who you are, what you've done for us, that we would have a desire for other people to know that uh, because of our understanding and because of our love and because of our service, that we would protect ourselves from someone who would come in and teach contrary to your word, that we would be able to recognize uh, what is true and what is not true, and that we would not just protect, um, protect ourselves, but as we are raising the next generation, we would be teaching them what is true and, and uh, giving them uh, the ability to know you and to love you and to serve you so that they would have an understanding uh, of, of what is true and what is right. God, I pray that as we, um, as we read these harsh wo- words about false teachers, that we would recognize that any individual sin we are capable of and that we would guard our hearts against that. What We would confess quickly our uh, sin as we see it in our lives. Uh, that, Lord, if there's any of these, um, these, these sins that have been mentioned of, of lying, of sensuality, um, of greed, of deception, Lord, if we, if we see those things in ourselves that we would uh, quickly turn away from those things and that we would confess our sin to you, Lord, and that we would... Um, take the right steps to, uh, to know you and to love you and to serve you, preventing, preventing ourselves from going back to those places. Lord, would you guard our hearts and our minds as we, ser- as we seek to be followers of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.